Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Are we ready to rock today? This is our musical day, Monday, special day. I'm really excited. What a beautiful day it is today. Spring's in the air. Three more days, and we are fully in spring. It's time to bring Mr. J. Logan on today. We have a very interesting show planned for all of you guys. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. J. Logan. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Hi, Ms. Gail Davis. How are you doing out there in New York? Oh, well, it, it's a little gloomy and doomy, but that's okay because in three more days we have spring. I'm ready to rock. What about you? Well, it's, it's, I know it might be gloomy, but you bring the sunshine to New York, so I know out there with you out there it's glowing. Out here it's uh, it's okay. So we got a little sunshine, and, uh, you know, when you come out here, you know, I'll, I'll take you around so you can see some of the little sunshine because you'll bring more out here, I know. So as long as they got you in New York, though, they should be having a lot of sunshine out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, we have our music, you know, we're starting with our music month this month, so I'm so excited about the show today as well because Phineas Robert, known as Finestro to everyone, is going to be on with us, and he's working on a project, you know, that we can't talk about completely yet, but we can share the lessons we have learned in working together, can we not? Right, 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 we can. So, you know, um, Jay, before we go right in, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the story about the kids in underserved communities with high grade levels not, to, you know, not going to top-rated colleges was disturbing, especially having Holly Gordon from the movie Girl Rising here two weeks ago. It's a bit disturbing when we're talking about girls in other countries going to school. And here the students in this country where school is supposedly free are not receiving the same adequate education. Jay, what are your thoughts about this, given you have children in middle school and college, and I have nieces in school as well? It's very, it's very disturbing. Um, a lot of the kids, uh, when they graduate from high school, they kind of want to, they, they're afraid to travel because of the expenses. Um, they feel that they can't go to the, even though their grade point average is 4.0, they feel that they can't afford to go to these nice, beautiful universities and, you know, overrated colleges and universities, so they don't take the opportunity. They don't know that there's programs to help them, financial programs to help them so they can, you know, pay for their travel expenses and pay for their room and board. They don't know any of these things, and the schools aren't reaching back out to them, Gail, to present that opportunity. Most of these schools, they only reach out to some of the, and I'm not going to say these schools' names, but a lot of schools, they only reach out to the kids that can afford to pay these high prices that, you know, tuition is, is, is hard to pay those tuitions. So they're not going after the smart uh, kids that are in the, you know, the lower bottom, I would say. They're not going after them and, and you know, trying to corral them and, and put their arms around them and caress them and bring them to their schools. So, we, you know, we need, to, we need to holler and shout at the peak of our voices to some of the universities out there. Hey, they're still they're smart kids. They're not just smart, rich kids. They're smart poor kids, they're smart, uh, all kinds of nationalities that, that are very smart, that deserve an opportunity to go to your universities and your colleges. So uh, we just got to get the word out. You know, I think it's not enough information, and, and the kids don't know what the resources, resources are. 
Wow. You know, um, I, I don't know what to say about it. My, You know how I go where my opinion is. I just get so annoyed, you know, that um, it's like this. You know, I just get so annoyed because here it is. I love what they're doing with um, with Rising, you know, Girl Rising. I think it's very um, important. But seeing that our kids are not getting the same really bothers me. Really, really bothers yeah. me. Yeah, it's it's uh it's 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 this. Uh, we have listen give to give the the kids and the young college students uh, the information that they need to go out and find out what these programs are. Find out what the government assistance programs are, the financial programs that help you get to some of these uh, better universities and better colleges. Because these colleges, what's, what's great about these colleges, if you if you go to like a Stanford or Harvard, if you go to these schools, they have better resources for you getting jobs than the smaller colleges. You know, so if you get an opportunity to go to these bigger schools, all of the corporations cater to these big, giant uh, schools, and the jobs are there when you graduate. So you need to try to take a chance and, you know, hey, travel and go out and try to, you know, find some of these big colleges and get in there. You know, come on now, guys, get out there and find out what, your, what the resources are. So that's what we want to tell the kids and the college kids that are listening to our show. Um, those opportunities are there, but the fact is, Nobody's making them uh, public enough for these kids to know they don't have to go to their local colleges. They can. They can have the opportunity to go to the major colleges. The opportunity is there. It definitely is. You know, did you hear, Jay, about Justin Timberlake and MySpace? They're trying to reinvent MySpace after it was brought by brothers Chris and Tim Vanderhoek, who have the biggest second online ad network under Google, and they recruited Justin Timberlake to be a part of it. But here's a really interesting thing, Jay. So far, Justin has brought in talent from places like HBO and the lot and released his album at the same time. And people were registering on news, on the new MySpace at one person per second. But my thing is they have to keep the interest going, not just because of Justin Timberlake. Because after a while, kids get bored. You know, Mr. Logan, I know you have a lot to say about this, so please share your opinion. Um, I I, I was okay. I, I mean, I did join MySpace when when the craze first started, and I thought it was a great idea. Um, so, well, Facebook came out and kind of took all the fans away from um, <laughs> from that site. Uh, I think it's good. I think they're trying. To, Justin Timberlake is trying to reinvent Facebook. I think he knows that there's still something there, and they still have a lot of followers. I think Justin Timberlake is trying to make it into like a Facebook. You know, MySpace. He's trying to make MySpace into like a Facebook, but more musically. And um, I think he's going to do. I think he's going to be able to do it because people are getting tired of some of the Facebook things, and I think people are going to revert back to to the MySpace, you know, because MySpace had things to offer. They just didn't update their site. They didn't keep. They didn't keep along uh, with Facebook. They didn't, you know, they didn't. Um, they didn't update, and that was the problem. And that's why a lot of people said, "Well, you know, we're going to leave uh, MySpace and we're going to join Facebook." So I'm really, I really want to see what Justin is going to do, you know. I do, you know, Jay. I tell you, I really do too. I mean, I think the guy is good. I saw him on Jimmy Fallon. I mean, he, the guy is very talented in so many different ways, you know. And after playing in, it's, what's funny, interesting is that he played in the movie Facebook about Facebook. Okay, so you know, you never know what experience that lent to him, you know. So I'm really excited about that. Well, right, right. Well, Jay. Jay, it's time to bring on our friend, Mr. Phineas Robert, also known as our friend Finastro, okay? 
You know, so okay. um so you ready to bring Mr. Finestro on? I am so ready. Let's do it. Okay. This has been a long time coming, right? Yes it has. Hello everyone, how hello, you doing? Hello, hello listen Gibbs. Hello Gail. Hi. Jay Logan. How's everything going hello, over hello. there? All right. So you so Finestro, you think you can hang with us today? Sure, I'm I'm willing to hang with you guys. You you think you can deal with the questions we have for you? I'll do the best I can. <laughs> well, you know, we're super excited to have you on with us because, you know, we're working on projects together. You're working on stuff. So, Finestra, I'm, I'm going to go right into the questions. Are you ready, my brother? I am ready. Okay. Ready. So, you know, we know you do so many things from being an artist, musician, producer, model, videographer, DJ. Which hat do you love wearing the <laughs> most out of that, Finestra? <laughs> okay. Let's get the DJ thing out the question. Um, I can't proclaim <laughs> myself as a DJ. <laughs> well, I am not a DJ yet, well. but but it's a developing thing. Um, I, I would say I have to first foremost, um, before the whole music thing, um, actually was my my main passion and goal. Really, it was actually education and like through education, like sports, because I was always involved in sports as I was young. And if it wasn't for sports, um, I would not have the, like, confidence to do music because in my family, um, we have a we have a lot of educators in my family. I'm my family from Haiti, mm-hmm. so we really believed in higher education. So music was a means of, of recreation because everyone in my family are musicians. Like my mother, she's saying my... My older two of my older brothers, they're musicians slash songwriters. I always I had more uh, musical equipment than had video games and toys combined. So that was always around me. It was just that if it wasn't for sports, actually, and 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 like in school, music would not have been something I would have taken to as a, a career because the uh, the expression of those ideas were formed through my values as I was learning through um, like discipline in sports, because I, I played basketball, and I grew well, up Vanessa, that we don't want you to too, so We don't want you to give too much, because we have other questions for you, okay? Okay. So, yeah, so, so pretty much it was education and sports really got me into it, yeah. Okay. So, um, Jay, I know you have a question for Vanessa. I sure do. Mr. Vanessa, we here. You have a new announcement, but before we get into that, before we get started with that new announcement, would you care to share with us, all kidding aside, Vanessa, what do you love about being a creative professional? Uh, Being a creative professional in itself, the ability to create, (laughs) the ability (laughs) to uh, create. I, I, I am very blessed to be around people, not just in my family, but friends, you know, my band, Broken Chains, always inspired every single day. Like, even if I don't meet them or, you know, or the people I talk to, I'm, like, I'm very inspired by everything that's around me. You know, being from New York, a lot of times people get busy and they're on their phones and stuff. But, like, I sometimes like to disconnect and, like, really see what's going on around me and, like, internalize it. So being able to create, like, things from, you know, film, what I see, and then interpret that to sound or drawing or working out, anything, that really it inspires me enough to, like, 
I guess, see things in different perspectives since, you know, there's a lot of diversity around me. So I take it all in like a sponge and I just interpret it how I see it. Wow. That that sounds really great. That's wonderful. Um, it, it really does. So, you know, it, 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 well, Jay, did I interrupt your question? Go right ahead. I don't want to oh, interrupt. Oh that. no, no, no. I was, I was, just, I was just amazing. He's taking it like sponge. I wanted to kind of like SpongeBob, where you just absorb everything. You know, anything <laughs> <that comes in. laughs> Yeah. Speaking of SpongeBob, a lot of people mistaking me from Phineas and Ferb. Correction, because uh, my name is with the E S, not A S. So. You mentioned SpongeBob. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so this leads me to the next question. As a creative professional, you know, listen, I don't want to go too heavy into it, but I'd like to ask you, Phineas, what has the journey been like for you? Just, you know, a brief, like, synopsis for our audience. What has, the, you know, as a creative session, what's the creative professional, what has the journey been like for you? Because, you know, when you're in the industry as a creative professional, whether you're an artist, a painter, a musician, or whatever, you know, money is not always readily available, okay? And you have to be creative just to be creative. So what has the journey been like for you personally? That's a good question. I could, it's simple in the fact that creative people never have a recession. We creatives don't have a recession. We don't believe it's a recession. And I have to say again, it started in the home. Like, my grandmother, she has the values installed in us that, you know, um, since the 80s, she cooked food, she she sold it. So seeing that as a young age, I'm like, wow, she's on her grind. She really works hard for her thing. So being that education was something that was big for us, I knew through learning things and concepts, it created a lot more, it gave me more cognition, I guess, and awareness to where I can fit and apply the skills I've learned, you know, street smarts to whatever I was interested in. So, of course, money always could be an issue, but I'm really thank, thank God that I have the opportunity to, like, think outside the box, I guess, and use whatever um, things I learned in the past and other influences for what people did and, and like, approach it in a way where it, you know, I can dive in where it can leverage my network, you know. And, of course, social media has a lot to do with that, um, which could go to another. I don't want to go off tangents about it, but social media. If you know how to market yourself as a creative, there's no recession, you know. And that's what Got I It's a strong statement, but to me, there's no recession for creative folks. Got it. Well, thank you so much for that because we're going to get into that a little later in the thing. And actually, Finestro, we want to ask you before we move on, you know, we'd love to have you back again maybe possibly next week or the week after to, to talk about exactly what you just said. Would you be willing to come back and share about that? Sure. I'll, I will share you all my blunders and my my wonders, I guess, <laughs> of okay. social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, yeah. Okay. And, Jay, would you go into the next question I know you have for Finestro or I might steal your question? Okay, don't, well, don't steal it. I'm going to jump right on it right now, Mr. Finestro. As a person in the music industry, how do you decide what your next step or your next approach is? Good question, Jay. Um, again, I don't want to expand on social media, but I have to admit, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little techie geek. I, I researched, like, um, I look up, like, one of my, you know, big influences, believe it or not, is Bill Cosby. 
and the reason why is because I've always modeled after him, like his style, his, his sense of humor. Like most of my humor comes from storytelling of things that actually happened in my life, like my mistakes and my embarrassing moments or like my triumphs, whatever. It's it's funny. One of the things Bill Cosby said was, you know, you, my wife Camille and I, we're intellects. We study things what people do naturally. And that's the approach that I, I, I come out from. I study things what people do naturally. And one of the things I do natural is like research something that I don't understand and see where I can apply myself as a creative to put myself ahead in the game. For example, New York City, there's so many producers. A lot of my friends are hit-making producers. I don't want to name drop, but a lot of them, they're hit-making producers. They have Grammy noms. They work with big artists. It's very, very difficult and, and competitive, and it's very, like, intimidating. So I'm like, okay, how would I approach music and, and sell myself to, of course, make money, but also like do something different, which could be catchy. And the, one of the best things that I encourage people to do is you find your craft and then you do something that is not tapped in. It's like you're in, you're not tapping into a network. So one of the things I know I'm strong at is communicating with people worldwide. I went to uh, Liberty University in Virginia, and I've, I've met a lot of people across the world. So I connect with them. Instead of connecting people here in New York, I was like, you know what, I'm going to connect with people overseas in Australia, in um, in um, Bangkok, in Korea, in Canada, in Japan, like all my friends in, in Yemen, you know, in all those places and see how they're doing. And then since I'm, you know, that I like music that's cultured, based, um, since I'm an electronic dance producer, I, I, I study these things. So I hit them up and then SoundCloud has been a great blessing because that allowed me to open my platform. And then I discovered there was like, trend through the sounds that I was creating, I guess, you know, through, you know, scoring, like, films and, and like, I guess, ideas for video games, whatever, that my friends would give me some, hey, you should try this, you should try this, and then using SoundCloud as a as a mobile tool to test out my, my, my efforts, I realized I found a niche for me to enter the music industry through, uh, I guess, the World Wide Web, you know, like internationally, not just like urban or New York, because I was kind of like taking somewhere else. I didn't want to do everything what everyone else was doing. So I just had to tap into some things that not too many people aren't doing in, in my area. So that's the best thing I could say, you know, just researching things that people do naturally. Even if I don't, even if I didn't do it before, I'll just YouTube it, I'll Facebook it, whatever, and like learn it and ask, uh, ask some advice and just, Trial and error, I guess, you know, just, just going at it, researching and doing it, yeah. Well, you know, um, speaking of that, you know, Finesse, do you choose to do something, well, you kind of said it right now, so I'm going to go into the next two questions, Jay, because he kind of, you know, went for it, because one of the questions we had, Finesse, was, you know, do you choose to do something based on a plan of action, or do you just go for whatever comes to mind? You kind of said that, so... We're going to go into a discussion where all three of us are going to have this discussion. That's okay with you, Finestra. You, you mind having a little mini no, discussion? I'm, I'm open. I'm open. Yeah, okay, sure. great. So we all want to talk about what we think is missing. In, and, Jay, you're going to, I know you love this because you can't wait to get into this. To, uh, to see what we think is missing in talent with artists, record labels, managers, the whole entire music industry. Like, do we really think it's getting back on track? Do we think it's almost right there? You know, like, what are our thoughts? So the first thing I'm going to throw out there is 
talent. I got to ask you guys, you know, because this is a big thing for me too. What do you think? Do you think there's a lot of talent out there? What do you think is missing in that talent, and why they're not getting out there across the board? So, you know, Finestra, you're the guest. No, no, Jay. Yes, you're the guest. Yeah. Okay, Um, that's a great question. Wow. Um, Again, I'm gonna piggyback on what Bill Cosby says. You know, intellect, study things what people do naturally. I don't. I know it's weird. And I guess, again, I'm linking everything together. Um, being that, you know, I went to school and I've had good grades studying, and um, a little background, when I was in high school, I actually I attended uh, Washington Irving High School. I studied law. So that's another discipline I learned through law, learning how to research things and le- learning loopholes. How does it relate to music or being creative or artist? Well, the skills that I learned through education, you know, tools that was around me, I was able to understand what things, why people react to certain things, certain, certain image, to certain sound, and why it fits to this people group, to why this works well with this kind. It's like learning the social aspects to it, the law, knowing how the business works, and understanding, okay, where can you plug yourself in? And I tell a lot of artists these days, you know, the reason why, like the artists I, 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 I hear and work and complain um, about their, you know, situations, oh, you know, I can't do this, I can do that. Like, like first of all, you can't do anything once you know where your niche is. You can't do anything within the, the – it's like you will limit yourself if you don't know your limits. So I, I just tell people, if you know how and where things going and apply it to where you're doing with the research and, like, the strategy, just going after it, it's not going to be, like, a wishful thinking or a miracle. It's going to be, like, it's a ongoing progress. You That's know? very One true. One of the things I and, learned. And- yeah. You know, that's very true because one of the things I would say in starting with any artist, you know, um, what I think is missing, you know, is direction. I think um, development is missing of the artist. You know, it's, it's easy to say, you know, let's get out there and, you know, like they need to have a, re- a strategy and everything, but they need to have a place to begin at. They need to have a place to connect with. And many artists have talent, but they don't understand the differences between being a performer and being a singer and being a songwriter, they don't understand That's those three different. That's very true. You're right. And when right. and when you come on the, when you come on the stage, you have to be all three. You know, um, but most importantly, you have to be true to yourself. Let's give examples of artists who are tr- true to themselves. Joss Stone, who's very young. Mm-hmm. Joss is probably about 24, 20, no, 27 now. She's still young. Uh, let's look at India Ari, who may not be as young as her, but a little older. Uh, Rihanna, you know. Rihanna's Rihanna, and I'm not going to say anything because everyone loves Rihanna, and I, and I like Rihanna, but Rihanna has her own style. Rihanna, um, she has her own brand, and she's created yeah, she that brand. Yeah. Right, and she's created herself, and she doesn't apologize for how she creates herself, so I respect that. Beyonce has her own market. Beyonce keeps, you know, Beyonce, if, you, if anyone saw her biography, she keeps saying, what will keep me out there? What do my fans want to hear? What do they like? And at the same time, she keeps herself consistent. And what exactly I love about research. her, exactly, yeah. right? And what she's learned to do is not apologize for who she is. But again, let's see why Beyonce was successful in the first place. This is what I, when Jay and I speak to artists, and I'm really looking forward to hear what Jay has to say as a producer. The reason why I think Beyonce has done very well is because she had a father as a manager. Who knew the who knew the ins and outs of the industry in a different manner than the creative professional did, 
And what it was about that was something that I always also tell artists as well as someone who's managed people and been very blessed like Jay and Finestro here to work with everyone from Celine Dion to Gladys Knight to Sony Music to Warner Music to, you know, working for former President Clinton. I mean, like, I have a varied background working with NBC. All of that's well and good. All of that doesn't matter if you don't know how to implement or connect with the person that you're working with as a client. Exactly. All right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm going to sum it up to here is that Beyonce had a team. Beyonce had a team that she worked with, and that's why she can do what she does now. She had a father who would grab a deal anywhere he could if that meant it on a napkin. I saw him do a deal at a agency situation where Beyonce, where he, you know, uh, presented something that Beyonce was doing maybe about six years ago. And I watched this man work for not only Beyonce as his daughter and Destiny's Child, but she had left Destiny's Child at that point, but also as his client. So you have to have a manager who's tuned into the industry. Even if they don't know everyone, they're tuned in. You have to have a manager who will work hard for you to make sure that when you get the quote-unquote record label deal, that you have it. And to the artists out there now who think they don't need a record label deal, you do whether it's an independent or whether it's a major. Majors are not really major as much as they are anymore, but understanding the deal process. Also setting yourself up as to understand you are a business, but to make sure that it is consistent with who you are as a person because we speak brand, and brand is, you know, everyone uses that word too loosely. Everyone uses social media, and that's great too. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure your artistry it's connected to who you are as a human being. Because if you put yourself out there, someone else in your audience gets to know that. When you do get to that point when you don't want to be someone else and you just want to be who you are, your fans are not going to accept you. It's just, it, remember, it's human-to-human relationship. And when we forget that, it's when we don't work at it. And Beyonce, consistently, her father put her out there as who she was. That's why she could step into the shoes that she did now. And she's willing to try anything. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I agree. I agree with you. And then I like this question, Gail, that you posed because it's kind of a triple threat. You got talent, and you got management, and you got industry. Um, so on the, I'm gonna tap on the talent part. A lot of the artists, they are not defined, and they don't know how to be defined from the other artists. Since there's so many artists now, I mean, there's way more artists now, and they don't have definition. So if you're an artist, you're going to have to have definition. What you talked about earlier when you were talking about Beyonce has definition. So, so these artists are going to have to define themselves apart from the other milk bottles. You know, we all can't be milk bottles. Somebody has to be apple juice. So once they learn how to <laughs> products, then they can kind of define themselves. Um, we're, back down, we're back down to grassroots. And what we used to do back in the day, we used to go to the colleges and have a little tour. Uh, let's go to all the colleges. Let's go to pick 40 colleges. Let's go down there and get close to the people and find out what the people want and let the people decide. And that's what needs to happen now. Now we're back to that. Since everything is on iTunes and everything is on aggregators. Since everything's like that, there's one bus now. How do you get to the front of the bus, Gail, Finestro? Okay, it's hard because now you've got a galaxy of songs and artists all in one big store. So now you're not just competing with the new artists. You're competing with Gladys Knight. You're competing with Barry White. All these things are for resale now. So now you're really in the back of the bus. How do you get from the back of the bus where Justin Timberlake would be or where well, Beyonce would be? That's all. That's part of the management part. That's a whole tackle thing you have to tackle in itself. Now, as far as the industry, 
question I was listening in the industry is social media can't do everything. It can't. You remember when we used to go to Virgin Records and we used to go to Tower Records and we used to go to the record stores and you got to meet people and you get to talk to people. Stores could they could facilitate new product because they usually didn't have everybody's product in one store. So they'll say, hey, Mr. Logan, hey, Mr. Miss Gale or Miss Vanessa, we'd be glad to take your product in our store locally because we didn't get the new Beyonce record, and we, we have a space here for new local artists. Well, those days are gone because guess what? There's no record stores anymore. You used to can meet people. You used to can talk about the record in the stores. Well, now you have to do all that online, and online is okay, but you never do see the people's face. You're never able to see the people you're talking to because you're talking to them through emails and Twitter and, and Facebook accounts. So we lost that touch where you touch the people. You know, artists can't no longer come and have record release parties in the store where they sign autographs in Virgin Records. See, so now they can't touch the people. They can't touch anymore. Everything has to be on email. So those are the three things that's missing. Um, social media can't do everything. You do need to have face-to-face. We, we're missing the face-to-face in the music industry. So these artists can't really – you only see them on TV or you only see them on American Idol. And they might do a guest of Bon Jovi was on American Idol last week. But you don't actually – they don't come to your town and sign autographs. Just like, like you know, book sign people who write books, they can still go to Barnes and & Nobles and, and, and do book signings and stuff like that. Not so much in the music industry. So that's my answer to those three questions you pose. Um, the definition is not there. The management's got to figure out how to get you from the back of the bus to the front of the bus, and the people at the music industry, the, you can't really touch the artists anymore because everything is so socially media now. Nothing is like you can really grab on and feel part of the artist. So the artist needs to come now and go on these little grassroots tours and bring themselves, bring it to the people. Well, here's the thing. I, you know, one of the things I want to say, and I don't know what I – I would love for Finestro to answer, answer this, too, about bringing from the back of the bus to the front. I, I agree with you and Finestro to some degree. I think I agree with both of a multitude of what you both are saying together. Um, you know, and I ask you the same thing, too, Finestro. My thing is like this. You know, if you are an artist, it's not just the management. You've got to have a team. And I don't want to go into the team aspect right. because I want, to, right. I, I, want to, I want to bring that back when Finestro comes on next week or the week after, so that we all three of us can talk about that because the, the, the team aspect is so important. See, a manager can't do it by themselves. You see, Matthew was able to do it by himself at that time because I know some people personally that knew Matthew out of Houston and that helped him with Beyonce, okay? He had a team of people that he already knew in the industry, so he was lucky about that. Now, what I do want to say is, you know, what's important here is that when we understand the, the artists themselves, you know, the other week, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen, okay, how is it that Michael Jackson is dead and there are four-year-olds right now that know who Michael Jackson is and they have no brothers or sisters, okay? Wow. How, you know, I mean, I want you all to really, you know, really take that in for a moment. You have a mother and father who's about 27, 25 years old, just got out of college. They have a child. They have these, you know, they're working at Goldman Sachs or one of these jobs, and their son or their daughter is sitting there doing the moonwalk to Martin Michael Jackson. And maybe they weren't even big Michael Jackson fans. Hello. There's something about that. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. I saw a kid who was eight years old. What do you know about Bruce Springsteen? I barely know about Bruce Springsteen, okay? I know about him because, you know, I grew up with it a little bit with the man who's even older than me. So, I mean, you know, these are people who are timeless. Look at Kenny G. Well, okay, here's a good one. James, um, I forgot his name, um, James something, but uh, James, uh, James Meyer, I think. 
And then also Eric Clapton. I mean, my God, the man is old as dirt. B.B. King, you know, I, I see some kids talking to me, and I'm like, what do you know about B.B. King? I barely know that much. I mean, I know about him because I've been in the music industry, but come on, guys. This is, these are artists back in the day. And, there are, and, and with all these kids, like, sitting in tech technology, you know why? They're timeless. There's something they do to keep their fans. Look at Mary J. Blige. You're talking about her in the news that she is broke is I don't know what, okay? And yet worldwide, and that's where I want to go with this conversation next week Uh-oh. or the week after Uh-oh. the show's coming back. Am I going to get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm getting in okay. trouble. <laughs> okay. So, all, so mm-hmm. when we talk about when we bring Sinestro back on this, I want to say that it starts worldwide. You've got to worldwide, connect with yep. people. Worldwide, I'm, and and Finestra and Jay, let's save that piece for the next following two weeks because that's the piece, the team and the worldwide. What and all three yeah, of us on true. on this show right now have actually done the worldwide thing, and we understand it. So that's why Finestra, you can see to social media, and you know we've been out of the country. All of us have been out of the country. We've been out of the country and brought it back in. We've been to other countries and brought it too. So that's the, that's the whole point. You've got you to gotta understand now that you are on a more competitive edge, as Jay said. You do have to use social media, as Finestro said. And to sum it up, from my point of view, before we go to Finestro, because he has a guest and we want to say the best for last, um, the most important thing that we have to realize is through having that team, the social media, you know, understanding you have to have that, that kind of like that brain outlook that, we all are sitting here talking about you're never in a recession. Otherwise, you'll lose your way. It's not about positive mm-hmm. thinking. It's about the belief in yourself. But the other thing, Jay and Finesse, you said something that's very important, capitalizing on what you both said. When you speak about people having to be different from one another, I want the audience to hear that correctly, okay, guys? I want you to know when Jay and Sinestro are speaking about you have to be different, they don't mean that you need to do something to be different. And I want to just make sure I hone in on the differences. When Jay and Sinestro were speaking about that you hone your craft and that you look at who you are as a brand and that you'll be different from someone else, it's like I said, it's not you going out of your way to be different. Because if you go out of your way to be different, then when, when you really you get to that point when you'll be like, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I want to be me. So when you come time to be me, you're going to lose your fans because you weren't being you in the first place. The mm-hmm. second part of this is that being you already differs you from the next person because I can't be Finestro and I can't be Jay, and Finestro can't be either one of us. So I'm going to end it on that point for myself. Finestro, what do you want to leave our audience with based on this conversation? To sum everything up into uh, three parts, one, um, one, first thing, artists, Musicians, everyone, learn how to market and communicate with all cultures. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot and block yourself an opportunity to bridge oh, the no, gap and be timeless. Oh, we can't go into that with them. Remember, that's next week. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then, and then two, going back to what you said, Gail, um, exactly, like, it's, it's, it's often that we get to a place where we, you know, we are different. Like, when somebody asks me a question, um, I have to actually finish my bio, and someone asks me, uh, what separates you from everyone else? I'm like, um, my story, you know? My story is different. No one lived in my shoes. No one lived in the same family. No, no one doesn't know my background. Like, your story separates you from someone else alone, you know? 
everyone wasn't born with, you know, with a family. Some people was born with a family, you know. Everyone has a different story to tell. And number three, and it, and again, it's just having the the open-minded um, ability to relate your music or your product, whatever you call it, to the masses. Not saying that you sell yourself, but you have to communicate in a way that it will bring unity or whatever you really decide to what your music going to go for. The people that you mentioned about BB King, Greenstein, and and and, B, uh, and and Michael Jackson. The reason why they're timeless is because culturally they have broke the barrier. If you're not, if like when when someone asks me, oh, I want to be famous, and and I'm like okay, you want to be famous, break barriers. <laughs> You'll be timeless by communicating to all people, not just your hometown, not your hood or your city. Find a common thread to relate to the problems that we have in our in our in our in our world today, and using music Finestro, to be the remedy you're giving, of that. You're giving too much now. You know we got to we got to hold off now, man. I'm for the sorry. Next I'm two sorry. Weeks. I, I just get I get mad hyped, but yes, you're right. It's like you know because all of us can go into that. We got we we got we got to we got to say something now, Mr. Finestro. We got to say okay, something. Okay, I'm gonna say something. Okay, yeah. So we got to say you're, something. You're right, Gail. You know, we, we, if we let them all know everything, then they're not gonna they're not gonna want to hear us in the next two weeks. You know what I mean? Well, that that was just only that was only like a fifth, like a tip of the iceberg. Not, you know, I know we got we got a surprise in Vanessa now. Okay, can, can yeah, okay, to, definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, can we go on to the next question, my friend? Next question, yes. <laughs> okay, what have you found out about publishing Finestro? This is big. And give other new income. <laughs> I told you we were not going to talk about the big thing. <laughs> okay, oh, no, um, no. This, well, wait, I didn't finish now. And give others okay. a short publishing 101 now, not just about signing up for publishing, but what you have learned. Give it to them in a short, brief format. Okay. This is what I learned. Being that I I actually did more video production longer than I did music production, like physically. And one thing I learned about this, uh, film directors, um, people who edit, they're not concerned about formalities of song, like verse, chorus. If it sounds good, if it has emotion behind the actual pull of the song, if the, if you can hear something and it can physically put images in your mind, regardless of the formality or the formula of the structure of the song, Publishing is perfect for you. I have to be honest with you, and I have to admit to the world, I'm not the best songwriter. I don't know how to write a song. I do know how to make sounds together to make it sound good, but I'm still learning how to form music, how to uh, – I know how to sight read. Play, I play guitar what or whatever, to, but what if you have to producing come back music for publishing has a lot to do with soundscaping and relating that sound to a brand or an idea. But here's my question for you, Finestro. How does one go about putting their publishing together? Just give them some few steps for those new artists coming in. What okay. tell them the steps okay. so that you had to so I have to give I have to give my nuggets away. Okay, first thing, um, I have to give a shout out to Ngozi Madukalam. He he won the publishing deal through ModernBeats.com. And Modern Beats, what it is, is a site that you submit your original work to a um, performance um, organization, which they collect. All the sounds and the best sound wins, I guess. So when it connects with you, you let's say for example, um, he put me on because actually, um, Ngozi he but won it, the yeah, beat battle. It, but, 
No, no, I get that, and, but we want to know, like, well, we want to know, Finestro, is what you did to get your publishing of, you know, of your stuff going. I'm, I'm, telling, you, I'm telling you exactly how I did it, yeah. I'm telling you exactly okay. how I did it. I submitted, the first thing I did was, um, it goes to, he told me, submit to modernbeats.com. I submitted to modernbeats.com, and what happened is um, I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of sources. Like, um, they give you an opportunity to submit, to labels like Columbia, Sony, Nintendo, Activision, all the companies that's on modernbeats.com, they submit and then they give you a reply back whether your music has been forwarded to a label or an artist. And I've been fortunate that my ratio has been really high to be forwarded to label because I'm more electronic dance music. That's a high-demand thing. So once you submit yourself to opportunities like that, like this modernbeats.com, um, I've got an opportunity to get publishing, like, uh, free membership, like, through the contest. If you don't win a contest, what they do is they give you credits to upload more original music that you have to submit to our A&Rs or labels. I've gained a, a full free membership, lifetime membership to iStandardProducers.com, which, um, you know, a lot of producers like um, people like uh, Eminem and Kanye and and um, all those people, like, they go to those websites to see who's the upcoming producer, and they, they actually sign producers and get deals from there online from that website. So I got a free membership from that, from winning the contest through Modern Beats. And then I've been doing a lot more research, more and more. Um, there's other things like uh, Dark Child. He has something going on. Uh, I forgot the website name, but my friend, he sent it, sent it to me yesterday. Pretty much you submit a, a music and then you put like a, a a video, like your introduction, like a Skype video or whatever, like iChat video, say, hey, my name is so-and-so. Here's what I did, and then you post it, and then the actual A&Rs or Dark Child or whoever the producer um, actually does a video reply or replies to you. I think you have to pay like, I don't know, $30 for the fee, whatever, but I've seen the YouTube videos that everyone actually got a, a response from the actual person that you want to work with, which is interesting. So it breaks the barrier of having to, like, find a manager or agent to do that paper, like paperwork for you to do that, where you could just submit to these websites like modernbeats.com or PMP producers or iStandardProducers.com. And then there's other ways you can also still get publishing by, for example, I did I just recently, about 12 days ago, I did a remix for uh, Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai is one of the, he's one of my influences too. He's like funk, after jazz. Jamiroquai, he's posted the stems of his, whole music, his session, like his whole session, because he's about to release, Jamiroquai, they're about to release the 20th, 20th anniversary of Team um, to Die. That's one of his songs. So I jumped on the opportunity and, again, research. None of the remixes that were online on YouTube, they were never dubstepped. So I took it, I've been to Sacrifice Lamb, I took his vocal lyrics and made it dubstep. And it's being successful, and from that actually opened a lot of other opportunities. Just, just recently, you know, um, to collab with other artists like from Brazil, from from Argentina, just recently wow. from Japan, some, some K-pop. I'm serious. Go on my SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com, The Real Finestro. You see that it's it's growing crazy because again, when you research was there's things that no one didn't do. You attack that market. People who are interested in that genre and that artist, they're going to come formulate to you. I just had to open a, a new like page because my, my 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 profile page, my Facebook is running out of space, so I can't add no more people. So I, I had to open a like page to push content to there because it's getting crazy. Because 
from those opportunities to get publishing, like Modern Beats and I Stand Producers, it gives you the chance to take music that's already there and flip it. One great example, one of my influences, Skrillex. The reason why he won a Grammy is not because his music is great, too, of course, but Skrillex did amazing work by taking original soul song, chopped it up, put samples on top of it of songs that we all knew, like soulful songs and then the current pop songs, and he made a sound that not too many people, not just the dubstep sound, but implementing song arrangement and, and sample re-engineering of the song that made it very epic. You know, he's the only producer out there I could say that transcend that that genre of dubstep into more than just dubstep. It's now becoming wow. pop. Wow. Well, you know, one thing... I, once I you know how to do that, you can get a deal. Well, it's not just publishing deal. It's like, have you created your own publishing company? Or have you set up I have your not own yet. publishing? That's a great idea. I'm signed with BMI, and I'm actually in the process to considering doing a publishing company, but I have, I don't have, I'm actually, I have a goal that I'm setting right now to um, create at least a catalog of 150 songs or more. Then I'll be comfortable because I feel like 30 songs aren't enough to shop around to uh, companies to be published or be licensed. So, um, yes, I'm actually in a process right now to start a publishing company, but right now I don't have enough of the weight to start one yet. And when I do start one, it's not going to be, something that's going to be localized in, in, in New York. Okay, well, it's going to be more online, you know, that. so. Yeah, got it. We're going to save that for the next two weeks. So, you know, um, Jay, here we go again. Um, we've taken up a lot of time already. This is getting good. We may not get to the rest of the questions. So, Jay, my dear man, mm-hmm. and Nestro, we're going to get into something else. You know, we've all been working on this project together, like seems like the forever project. And we can't talk about what the project is, but we can talk about what we've learned about working on this together, okay, Um, to some degree, you know. And, you know, the task it's been in working together and the mistakes, you know, and things like that. And so I'm going to table that question that we had for next week. You know, Finestra, I'm thinking, would you come back and, you know, with us uh, next Monday or Wednesday? That'd be great. I'm I'm really down for it. I like I like this energy. I love the I love this show. Um, I really love the show concept. It's very progressive. I like it. I, I'm I'm down for okay. that. Okay. Okay. So Jay, I know we're going to skip that question, Jay, and we're going to hold that off for next week. And Jay, um, would you take a look at the next question? I know you had another question for um, for Finestro. I sure do. Um, I wanted to know, Finestro, what made you choose music as a career? <laughs> Why are you giving me a hard question, Jay? <laughs> yeah, and in and, and, and the different parts, um, the different part of your work uh, within the industry. So, what made you choose it? What made you choose this as a career, and in the different parts in the music industry? Wow, that's a great question. Oh, uh, okay. Again, I I was in the background of educators, my family. Um, so music was something was recreational, like what people do, like sewing or cooking. This was something I did to stay out of trouble. I, I really I have to be very grateful and, and give really props to my grandmother, my mother, my sister, my brothers who held me a high accountability to make sure my grades were great so I could stay on the team and everything. So I had the actually opportunity to play basketball. I, I could have probably played pro if I wanted to, but for some reason music was, 
the remedy to a lot of my upbringing because it was always around me. And um, one of the things I have to admit, um, not too many people knew about this, but like my close friends who knew me as young age, I used to have a stuttering problem and and had a lot of issues with, um, you know, my weight and my overall confidence. I used to be very hyper happy, but I used to have a bad stuttering problem, very bad. But something about music, it, I don't know, I guess um, since since grade school, it, it made me have different kind of friends. I didn't have friends like people in my music class than I had, like, in my team. For some reason, I like to my friends in my music class better because I'm still friends with them now, even to this day. And they, there's more sensibility to that. I felt there was more, my soul was more driven towards that. You know, it's one of those things where if you, if you know what it is, it is, and it felt right, you know, not because it sounded good, but I just felt that it all came into place. So. But what about the other parts? What about the other parts? Mm -hmm. Like your instrument that you play, this computer oh, stuff that um, you work on. What, what made you choose that? Those different sections of the music industry. Okay, real quick. I'm a heavy jazz head. I'm a big George Benson fan. I love George Benson. I like like the first song I ever played on the guitar was actually "Give It the Night." George Benson. I have the album on tape. You know, my brother gave me his broken Fender Stratocaster. And I played it with through his karaoke machine. I was playing that with four strings. You know, that was the first song I ever played. Smooth jazz. I love that. I'm a jazz head. But before I actually played the guitar, people don't know that I actually started on piano because my brother had a piano. And then I actually I got bored of the piano, and I really went into playing saxophone, which is random, but I actually sight read and everything. So it was very intriguing to me because the saxophone, I, I was so intrigued by it because of uh, Kenny G. Like <laughs> I guess <laughs> I love that sound, you know. I was like, "What's that sound, Mom? I want that. I want that saxophone sound." I played it for years at church and then jazz and stuff. But then something about the guitar intrigued me the most because there's one time I was playing. I think I was playing Pop and Circumstance in the house or something like that. And then my dad, he popped on in, um, VH1. He was eating. I think it was an infomercial. I saw a Jimi Hendrix. Eating the guitar and doing all these stage antics, uh, Woodstock. I was like, "What the heck is going on? Like, why is he doing that?" And I, and at the time, you know, I googled who Jimi Hendrix was because I didn't know who Jimi Hendrix was back in eighth grade. I was kind of closed-minded, you know. I was like, I didn't know. I only knew jazz and gospel. That's it. I was even open to other rock. So I looked up Jimi Hendrix. I was like, "Oh my goodness, he had the same guitar I had, and everything." I was like, "You know what? I started building the guitar the whole time, but..." It was it, it was so electrifying about the guitar, you know. It felt really close and connected to me, you know, being that, you know, it just felt right, you know. And I just stayed with, I played the guitar since I was 12, and I didn't quit ever since. Actually, playing the guitar opened other doors to play other instruments, like the bass, and um, I fit that up with the cello a little bit, but I don't, I'm not a cello player, but it just, any stringed instrument just happened to connect with me, you know. I guess because okay. it just felt right. Because the vibrations of it, the the resonance when you hear the chord, the ringing of it, you know, the sustain, the the pitch harmonics, the you know, the all those things just it connected with me, you know. I guess and yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, one of the things I want to go on to next, and we're gonna we're running out of time, so Vanessa, we didn't get to all the questions we wanted to ask you. 
But this okay. one, um, we've we got to be a little shorter on this one because of our time okay. constraints. Vanessa, we hear you love to work with what we hear you love to work with kids. No, we love what you're saying. We just wish we had more time. Um, we hear you love to work with kids. What? I love kids, yeah. Is, yeah, I actually work with kids at, in my church. Yeah. yeah. What about do you love and what do you love to, what do you, what do you love to do with them? Okay. Um, I play for um, Brooklyn Tabernacle. I play for the youth department and BT Kids is pretty much, it's a, it's a church. It's a non it's a non denominational church in the Melted Pot of New York City, downtown Brooklyn. Um every Sunday I play for BT Kids and some Fridays I play for Transition or BTYM, which is the you know, uh sixteen and over kids. I love kids because they're so not just honest, but I learn a lot from them. And people don't understand. I don't see them as kids. I see them as like little adults. Because there's some things that I've I've learned through this ministry, like helping kids, like, you know, sometimes they have, like, home situations. We have, like, one-to-one after service. We I talk to some kids, and we keep it confidential of their, you know, what's going on. You know, we don't tell, we don't share the information, but, we, you know, we just want to, we connect with them in the area of, like, how they're at school, at home. We pray with them. And and um, also, like, a lot of these kids are so musically inclined. It's, just, it's not even funny. Like, like, the kids that we say that they're bad or, oh, this person, you know, is not going well in school. Maybe the kid has some frustrations because he needs to connect to something that that would allow him to release. And I realize being in the process of working with kids, seeing music affect them in a positive way from their school to their personality was 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 is one of the greatest things. And I'm very grateful to be at the opportunity to work with that with the church and work with um, A. Philip Randolph High School in Harlem, which I helped co-produce. Um, a band called Sudden Even. They're, not, they're out in college and they're doing successful things. Last year, I helped them produce their EP a little bit. And trusted source for personal finance advice. I'm Tanya Rivera. I don't Hello? know what that was about. Yes, we're here. I don't Hello? know what that was about. Hello. Oh my goodness. Hello. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I love working with I love, love I love working with the youth because they show they help me show me where my weak points are. And. I, I get better and better as a human being, as a man, when I work with kids because kids they only tell, they only react to what you show them and like their vulnerabilities or your weaknesses and strengths. It, it shows a mirror to me where I have to work on, you know. And I, and I like it because it's it allows me to create like like enter whatever I'm doing like a child, like full of creative force, innocent, like straight, you know. You know, it's it's it just drives me. It it's, it makes me happy a lot. You know, and I see progress. Wow, thank you. Well, you know, um, today I have to say, I mean, uh, Jay, do you have any last words? I have to say that it's been really a pleasure having you on, and um, that we truly look forward, okay, to having you back next week. Yes, I'm we sure do for next week. Thank you. Thank you, Listen Gives. Thank you, Gail and Jay, Logan. I really appreciate this opportunity, and I'm uh, looking forward for others. That's right. That's, look, yeah. Yeah, you back. yeah, definitely have you back next week, and um, we'll let you and your audience know. So, as usual, with Listen Give, we're going to have a little fun today. We're closing out from some music from Jay and his friends on Patent Leather, and <laughs> Nestro, as usual, let's 
Let's rock it out, guys. Take care and have a wonderful day, everyone. All right, you have a wonderful day, too. We're signing out from Listen Give Live on the radio in three more days till spring. Let's rock it out, everybody. Ooh.